This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. To episode number 78, the Healthy Scratch interview segment. I'm Noah Grant, joined alongside my co-host and Nick Max. And Nick, we had a fun one today. A couple of guys that uh, took a couple questions for them to open up, but once they opened up, they were rocking and rolling. And uh, two guys that didn't take a, a long time to open up as far as their hockey playing ability. Let's just put it that way. Nick, who do we have on and what, what was uh, something that you really enjoyed about this interview? Uh, Seamus Donahue, Nick Perbix uh, is the couple that joined us today. I say couple because, I mean, honestly, they're a couple on the ice, they're a couple off the ice. No, I'm totally kidding. So, no, I'm totally. But seriously, though, uh, you know, it, it's almost like that, though, because when you have a defensive pairing uh, that, and they will describe it themselves, that know each other that well, and, you know, we asked them, you know, was it natural enough? They'll explain, you know, kind of how their games kind of morphed into becoming, you know, a two-way tandem. And, then, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of fun to get into how, you know, you know, especially kind of starts and they ability to a little bit off the ice first. And then as, you know, as they hit the ice and they start, uh, you know, playing with each other and they start communicating, you know, it, it kind of becomes, you know, two brains meshing to one, honestly. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool to see, you know, how their game was so quickly evolved and became, you know, essentially as one, it was very, very cool to see. And uh, yeah, even better guys off the ice. Yeah, I guess I probably would say dynamic duo. I didn't know they had dinner reservations at the Ritz, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, why not? So <laughs> probably probably paid for by the team too, right? Obviously, probably, bring, the, bring the boys, right? That doesn't yeah. sound too bad. A little bit of pasta. You want to get some pasta after? It's about a seven hour drive. We probably probably get there about six a.m. What do you think? The pancakes and the French toast better be ready. I'll just say that much. So yeah, that <laughs> doesn't sound like a bad plan. And honestly, this interview wasn't a bad plan. It was a, it was a long time coming a couple of weeks since we've had a guest and not two really great guests to have on did a fantastic job and it was fun to listen to. So without further ado, episode number 78, the healthy scratch interview segment, Nick Pervix and Seamus Donnie. the Dunn Husky Warmios podcast fans. It is episode number 78, the healthy scratch interview segment. And joining us is probably the most lethal, the most defensive defensive pairing there in the NCHC. We have both Nick Purbix as well as Seamus Down, who joined us. Boys, welcome to the show again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having us. <laughs> Seamus, we'll start with you. I got to give you a little bit of a hard time. Uh, I can't tell if you're in like 1920s, like South Minneapolis attic or where, like, where the heck are you right now? Uh, I'm in my room and it's on the third floor of our house. So, um, it's not really a penthouse, even though it's the top floor. Um, I think it used to be an attic and it's converted over into actually a pretty nice spot. So uh, that's where I'm coming from. 
So as an elevator access only special key card to get up there, is that how that works? Yeah, handicap accessible. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what's the, um, Seamus, what's the roommate situation? Do you live with uh, other guys on the team? Yeah, I'm in a house and there's like, I think there's eight other guys. Um, hey. <laughs> I'm alone on my floor. Um, and actually Clark Custer, who's uh, an assistant now with the null team in town. He's been staying here for a little bit um, just while he gets his feet under him and uh, he's, he just took the assistant job with that team. Uh, I might've mentioned that, but yeah, he's here right now. So I've got a roommate for the time being. Boys, let's, let's get into, you know, you guys as, as a unit first, uh, Seamus, uh, I know Nick, I'll get to you here in a second, but Seamus uh, coming in uh, last season, uh, part of the transfer portal, you're coming in uh, again to the St. Cloud, uh, I guess, you know, how awesome was it to slide into this team and then have the success that you did last year? Yeah, I mean, it was everything you could ask for. Um, the success we had as a team was just unbelievable. And that's what you want from anywhere he goes, just a chance to win and a chance to be a part of something special and um, a chance to play with awesome people as well as great hockey players. And that's really what we got here. So it was a uh, time in my life for sure. And Nick, uh, you know, welcome. First of all, I know you've been sitting there kind of quiet there for a little bit, yeah. uh, but you know, Nick's, you know, some questions before the start of last season, uh, obviously some graduations some folks moving on, uh, Seamus coming in again, part of the transfer portal. Uh, it just seemed that you guys just clicked right. And, you know, it's hard to explain for the folks who have never played the game before, especially as a defenseman, when you just have that partner that you guys just seem to read off each other, just know each other at, is that kind of, you know, you just, you just seem to form a chemistry quick. Is that an accurate uh, assessment? Yeah, no, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, I kind of, <clears throat> to backtrack a tad, I played with Jack Sean for two years, and we kind of had that same same sort of thing, right? Right when we started playing, we kind of were on the same page. We could read off each other really well. And, and yeah, like I said, I think the same sort of thing happened with Seamus last year. We figured that out pretty quickly. Yeah, I hear that Jack Sean kid. He's all right. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I did want to start, um, Nick, I kind of want to start with you and backtrack even more to uh, before you became a St. Cloud State Husky, when did you kind of first know that St. Cloud was kind of on your radar, that you wanted to come to the university, you wanted to be a Husky? When did that conversation first start and you, again, started to kind of realize that I might play at St. Cloud State? Uh, well, I didn't have a whole ton of options, I would say, but, but I mean, living so close to St. Cloud, it's kind of always been a cool school, a great hockey school, a great hockey tradition. And so when they started talking to me, I mean, it was definitely pretty high on the high on the list when, when, whenever they made the call. Yeah. And then going over to you, Seamus, I believe Michigan tech for the first three years of your um, season. First of all, how was your time at Michigan tech? In fact, uh, when I was playing hockey, we actually played um, in Houghton. So I've been there a couple of times, kind of a cool little place to be around. How was your time at Michigan tech and uh, what kind of finally made you decide to realize you wanted to jump ship and become a St. Cloud state Husky? Well, it was great. Um, you know, I had some awesome teammates and like you said, it's a cool spot, super unique um, part of the country. And um, I definitely learned a lot, grew a lot as a person and a player there and um, really thankful for my time there. But Super excited for the opportunity to come over here, um, be closer to home, um, be part of a, a really, really um, competitive team. And um, also there's a sports management degree here. And that was something that, uh, that I kind of really wanted to pursue. Um, so I was excited about that too. 
I suppose it's kind of hard to play college hockey if you don't have a major, right, Nick? A <laughs> little bit, right? <laughs> uh, boys, let's, I don't want to spend too much time on last season. I think, you know, we, we've talked about that quite extensively, obviously, between other guests we've had uh, on this show is probably within yourselves, but I do want to do draw a little similarity as far as, you know, what you probably want to expect for this year. So last season, obviously starting late, you start in December, you had nine games and what was it? 20 days or something like that. It was a, a pretty pro schedule, but it came out of that pretty good, right? Um, this year you have a pretty from the fans' perspective, exciting non-conference schedule, uh, but there is some importance to those games. Uh, the uh, the pairwise is back. Uh, uh, Nick, I'll start with you being the uh, one of the upperclassmen. I was going to say the upperclassmen, both of your upperclassmen. You can tell us on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, but how is it? How important is it, Nick, to get uh, off to the same kind of start you guys did last year to find your footing quick so they can have a long-term success here for this upcoming season? I mean, I think that kind of sets the bar for the whole year. I mean, it's kind of funny, like after games, especially with the the pairwise this year, guys are checking their phones. Hopefully, after a win, and kind of it feels weird pulling for your conference because you usually are rooting against them so much. But you kind of need them to do well in order to help yourself out too. And so the, the first half is, I mean, is huge, setting the bar for the team, getting a good base and under them, and getting everyone's feet under them too. And then Seamus, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, jump off a little bit, uh, you played uh, high school hockey at St. Thomas Academy. Uh, your first, uh, I guess you, you could call it uh, christening to the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center with full fans will be against St. Thomas University as their first division one. And one of those games on Sunday was moved to the XL Energy Center where you got an opportunity to play um, as part of a high school uh, hockey tournament. Um, how does it feel, uh, Seamus? And then Nick, I'll get your, uh, get your reaction too, to have play against your second game of the season and what should be a pretty ruckus crowd there in downtown St. Paul. Yeah. Well, first I'm really excited to be in the Herb and have fans there. Um, been able to meet some great fans and I've heard awesome stories about just how loud and um, loyal they are here in, in the Herb and um, how rocking that place can get. So I'm excited to see that on, I think it's Saturday night we play first, right? Yeah. Yes. Saturday. And uh, yeah, also on Sunday at the X, I mean, that's definitely one everyone has circled on the calendar. So got some great memories in that building and, and looking forward to making some more too. And Nick, you're no stranger to uh, big NHL arenas. In fact, both of you aren't as of recent. Uh, how will it feel for you to be playing um, in downtown St. Paul uh, where the Minnesota wild play? I mean, it's going to be pretty cool. I got one experience there playing in the frozen face off my freshman year. And it was a, it was a fun experience. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the I definitely miss that. I mean, you talking about the herb kind of got me going a little bit. It's been way too long since I've had fans here talking about how loud it is. And it's just, it's a crazy atmosphere. You can't, can't kind of, you can't get back or, I mean, you, I just miss it so much. And so I'm really excited for that, both at the herb and at the X. Yeah. I've got a couple of follow-up questions to that. My first one, uh, Nick, I'm going to stick right with you. It's a kind of a common question that we've asked a lot of our guests. Is there one particular weekend, one particular series or team, obviously every game is important, but is there one, you know, weekend against North Dakota or Duluth or when the Gophers come to town uh, that you have circled on the calendar that you feel is, you know, one that you're excited for uh, coming into the season, especially. I mean, this season is kind of tough to say, not only just because it's the Gophers, but my brother's on the team and <laughs> they got the better of us the last time we played. And I've heard about that for two years. And so I definitely got that one circle on the calendar. Got to get the breaking rates back. And so, yeah, I'd say the Gophers, but I mean, 
I mean, every weekend in the NCH is a huge weekend. You got like, we go down to Mankato. I know it's not home, but I mean, pretty much every weekend is just huge for us. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and then Seamus, uh, same question for you. Is there a particular weekend that you have circled on the schedule? Or are you just excited again to kind of see those fans back in the building for some NCHC conference games? Yeah, probably the latter. I don't have one particular weekend that um, really I'm looking forward to more than others. It's a little bit different coming into this season than it was last season because last season we just wanted to play so bad. Um, and all those first games are kind of coming at once. So it felt like it didn't feel like we were going to have a first weekend this year coming in the whole summer, um, the whole preseason training camp kind of deal that we've done. And this fall, just getting ready for the season. We've had that first game, that first weekend against USD kind of, I mean, that circled and it's super cliche, but you just kind of take it one game at a time. Um, you're looking too far ahead. Things can slip. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of kind of that summertime period and like moving into the first game of the season um, and thinking back to our playing days, I definitely know the same feeling. It kind of feels like once you get that first game under your, under your belt, then you're kind of finally rocking and rolling for the season. Uh, during the off season though, in the summer, Seamus, uh, what were you up to in the summer? Did, were you kicking back and relaxing? Obviously, you know, workout and training schedule on top of that, of course, but did you, did you do anything exciting for the summer? Uh, no, I guess the most fun I had is probably just playing golf. Um, Kirby's got a similar story to tell, but a lot of summer, if you're not in the gym around the ice is hanging out with family, hanging out with friends and playing golf. If you're not on the lake. How's the handicap looking? It's okay. It's not as good as Kirby's, but it's okay. Mine, mine spiked up a little bit. <laughs> well, lucky. Yeah. We're planning for the weekend. So oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Perfect. So uh, I golf sounds like it was on the dock for the summer. Did you do anything else? Hang out at the lake? Uh, what were you up to? I know my family just happened to move on to a lake this, I think it was May. You know, it was March, April time because I'm, I got to miss all the moving because I had to quarantine for the playoffs. <laughs> so, so I got out of that. But yeah, my, my family moved to a lake. So a lot of time spent on the lake and, and on the golf course when I wasn't here, you're lifting and, and or skating. Yeah, people think that uh, teams want to win in the NCAA tournament in the playoffs, but it was actually Nick Perbix in the locker room saying, guys, we got to keep winning so we don't have to help with the move, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, my parents were on me because I'm only 40 minutes away. They're like, hey, we, we need you back here. But I'm like, I can't. If I get, if I get COVID, I'm out. It's all, it's all for nothing. And so, so they, they were good sports about it. <laughs> Obviously, they, they knew what was going on. But, yeah, no, I, was, I was enjoyed not having to go home and lift all – all the heavy, heavy furniture around. So I want to uh, ask one of you guys, because uh, you are insiders to the team a little bit, Seamus. Um, I'm actually going to kick this over to you. Uh, you know, Easton Brodzinski uh, suffered a, a pretty terrible injury uh, during the playoffs. Uh, from what last we've heard was that he is on track uh, to start the season. Just want to know if you could confirm or deny that uh, he's either a been skating or to, will he be ready to start the season? Get a lower body injury. <laughs> I can say more. Um, no, I mean, he's doing everything he can. He's in the gym every day. He's in Brian's room getting worked on, doing everything he can to get back up um, to full go. And uh, he'll be ready as soon as he can be. Yeah. Nick, if I may ask a follow-up question too, yeah. our, our guest, Nick, um, you've known him well, um, Herbix, uh, throughout his time as a Husky, since you've been there, um, does Easton, I, I, and I don't say this in a condescending way to him, but does Easton look 
like the similar form of the East and Brzezinski that we've known in years past, because as you know, with an injury like that, sometimes it does take a little bit to get up to speed. Does he look good on the ice so far and uh, kind of look like his old self, old self? I mean, I don't think anyone coming back from a broken femur is going to look a hundred percent, even five or six months after or how it's not, it's not even been close to that. Has it? Um, been pretty about what, four, what, four, yeah, five months. Too yeah. much, too much math for me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's working on it. Like Seamus said, he's, he's trying to get back whether he is or isn't, we don't know, but, uh, but yeah, no, he, he's working, working at it. Second question. We'll deposit guys. We've asked uh, coaches, we've asked uh, league executives this question. I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts as players on this. Um, we were excited when the non-conference schedule came out, we saw Mankato, we saw Wisconsin, we saw the Gophers. Uh, I know Bemidji State's a little bit later in the year, but uh, some of these in-state rivalries, again, uh, Seamus, uh, a native of North Oaks, so Nick Perfect's a native, uh, you know, closer to the St. Cloud area, or is it Elk River? Elk River. Elk River. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Second guessing myself. I'm not sure why, uh, but did you guys get a little, you know, kind of a little extra, you know, jittery when you saw the non-conference schedule, seeing some of these old rivalries that I think even as fans, you know, before you, you guys put on, you know, college skates, if you want to say what, you know, that's a game that you'd want to see, but how does it feel that be playing in some of these matchups? Shane, so I'll start with you. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, growing up in Minnesota, you watch a lot of college hockey as a kid and um, you aspire to be <laughs> one day. And these are the games that, You'd watch on TV, FSN North. I'm, you can't remember how many times I tuned in Friday, Saturday night, and there was an in-state matchup on the tube. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's special to be a part of it now for sure. And these are the games you want to play in. So uh, we're chomping at the bit, ready to go. And then – and then Nick, uh, to kind of follow up on that, um, you know, like Seamus says, you know, I think there's an extra bit of motivation when you're playing these in-state rivalries. You will face Mankato. Uh, you know, you guys haven't faced each other in any sort of big game or, you know, on the big stage recently. Uh, but as a player, um, you know, seeing how cool, at least, at least in my opinion, this non-conference schedule, do you, is there kind of a hope that maybe this format, you know, it continues not just, you know, beyond the season. You do see some of these in-state rivalries for exhibition as we move forward into uh future seasons oh i mean i would hope so it just when it, when it kind of came out it kind of like what Seamus said brought me back to the days when i was young growing up watching college hockey the the wcha all the in-state in rivalries almost every weekend and so yeah i mean i would hope i, I love playing the rivalry games that they're not that any game's hard to get up for but it's just like there's that little extra something that you can't really describe when you got an in-state rivalry you got you i mean we all know people from especially the in-state teams because majority of Minnesota teams are built from Minnesota players. So, I mean, everyone sees each other, whether it's training in the summer or just being friends from back home and playing juniors with them. And so, I mean, there's just a lot of extra stuff that's just kind of indescribable. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun, hopefully playing in these games. So thinking back to like your first game as a Husky, Nick, we have five incoming players, four freshmen and a senior uh, transfer this year on the team. In addition, uh, Josh Ludetke, uh, Mason Salquist, Jack Peart, uh, Ryan Rosborough, and then of course, Aiden Spalassi or Spalassi. We still haven't quite figured out how to say that one correctly. Um, maybe you guys, if you guys know, could fill us in too, but Nick, I, I wanted to start with you, uh, with those five guys, uh, how are they looking on the ice? How have they kind of made the adjustment and, uh, um, are they looking uh, ready to rock and roll for the first games of the season? They're going to get pretty big tests early with some good hockey teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, they definitely will. I mean, I mean, they're looking great. I know our coaches recruit, but we we like to think is only the best. And I mean, it's proven in, in the past few years with our success that this program has had. And so, I mean, they, they look good. They're tough to play against. I'll tell you that. I mean, <laughs> and that's always a good sign if, if they're competing and at times beating us in some, some drills, some reps. And so, yeah, no, they're, they're definitely looking good. Yeah. One of the ones we had on our list, of course, Ryan Rosborough, six foot three, one ninety, uh, kind of a bigger kid uh, to add to that lineup. But Seamus, one guy I wanted to ask that Huskies fans have really had their eye on and also the Minnesota wild had their eye on with a second round draft pick uh, in this year's NHL draft. That's Jack Peart. Uh, how has Jack looked on the ice? Of course, you two both being defensemen, how has he been able to adjust? Is he, uh, he's, is he looking like a stud in the making? Oh yeah. He's a stud. Uh, I got, I don't know if you guys heard, but he was Mr. Hockey last year. <laughs> Never heard of that. No? Yeah, no, I'm He's kidding. really good. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to watch. Right, guys. He's a great teammate. And um yeah, we're we're really excited to have him here. Guys, let's talk about, you know, the makings of a good defensive pair. Because I think for the casual eye, you know, I think the the common thought is there's practice, you know, there's, you know, knowing of the structure of how the coach wants you to play. Uh, Nick, I'm gonna start with you. You know, what makes a good defensive pairing click? Is it communication? Is it, you know, stuff off the ice? You know, between you and Seamus, I knew you did, we talked on this earlier, but I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, I suppose, how were you able to form your chemistry so quick? What were some of the things that you talk about? Maybe some of the things you do on the ice? Uh, how has it been so seamless between the two of you? Oh, I mean... Uh, that's kind of a loaded question. I feel like very loaded question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, taking a page out of Noah's book. <laughs> yeah, no, like I kind of said earlier, I mean, right away, it was just, we were kind of on the same page and I mean, it's a lot of talk between shifts too. Cause we always have a certain game plan going into every game, whether it's guys to watch or systems when we're tweaking ours, but between every shift, pretty much we're talking how we can make a certain little adjustment to a certain play if it happens again. And so I think communication is a really big part of our, our defensive pairing and then on top of just just the chemistry that we, we naturally have and and then Seamus uh, to talk about that natural chemistry it's hard to really describe it how to really put words to it um you know I guess when did you first know that there was maybe something there was it during practices I know things last year were so out of whack because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic but you know how quickly did you folks realize within the two of you that hey you know, just from the way we play, you know, I make him do what he wants to do and he lets me do what I want to do. How quickly did you guys realize that this would be maybe a pairing you would probably yourself, even the coaches that would stick with? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I can't really give you a definite answer on that. Um, I think the thing that we figured out really early is just that we trust each other on the ice. Like, I know if I do something, he's going to be over there and he's going to be ready to do that. And if he does something, I've got him backed up and that's just kind of how it works. But that's kind of how, you know, our whole team is built. Um, we all just really trust each other. And I don't think that if per I think that if Purvy was playing with somebody else, I mean, he would have just as much success. Um, and, you know, we're, we all like are so close and we all have such great chemistry with each other. Um, I think that there, there's a lot of successful combinations of players and me and Purby happened to tap into something pretty special last season. And, um, it really worked between the two of us and it was pretty great. But, um, I guess to go back to your original question, we figured it out pretty early. Um, you know, just like Purby was saying, we were able to talk and 
just probably from the first shift said something after like, Hey, did you see that? Yep. Saw that. Well, let's do this. And you know, that's just how you keep getting better between the two of you too. I'm always curious to listen to players kind of describe their own game, but because you both have been a pairing for the majority of last season, I'm kind of curious, Seamus, I want to start with you first. How would you describe Nick Perbix's game? Uh, and uh, which one of you two wins in a one-on-one? Is it your defensive juggernaut style or is it Nick Perbix? Perbix's offensive skill. Wins in a, what do you mean wins in a one-on-one? Yeah, a corner battle, you know, one-on-one out of the corner. I mean, which one of you is? Uh, he's he's probably got way more skill than me at the puck, so probably him for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, how, how, describe, how, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. To describe Purby, um, oh, geez. I guess <laughs> the, like, the X factor that I see is that he's able to make plays that um, – most other guys wouldn't. There's like a there's a calmness when he's got the puck. Um, so he's just a really good two way defenseman. I mean, that's just the the cliche box to put him into, but um, really good two way defenseman. Two can play two hundred feet, can make plays below their circle and below ours. Um, gets and pucks deep. Gets pucks deep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> pucks off the glass too all right mr perfect that's a pretty good scouting report from seamus there i uh, no pressure right i um what do you have to say about seamus's game and uh do you think he's given uh, a little less credit for himself for how good he is defensively or do you think you still got him one-on-one i mean i uh, i don't go on too many one-on-one rushes i wouldn't say and so i don't even know how what i would do there but i mean i think it would just be pretty much if we went back and forth one-on-one against one-on-one, it was just, nobody would get anywhere if I'm being honest there. But I mean, to describe him, one thing that kind of sticks out to me is just reliable, like the word reliable. I mean, I always know where he's going to be. I always know when he has the puck, he's going to make the right play, whether it's simple or, I mean, he's just as capable of making a really tough play look really easy. That's, that's kind of what I think a lot of what he does. And that's why he's so, so reliable. I mean, he's got that calmness too with the puck. He's willing to make that little, juke move to get by him a little, little time to make a pass. I mean, that's, that's pro- probably what goes under the radar a lot is that little extra time that he's willing to create for himself that makes it where it's, it doesn't seem like that hard of a play, but in reality, it's, it's not as easy as, as it looks. Yeah, knowing knowing that you can activate or when you have to stay back when your defensive partner is making a play too, I think is a it's an innate ability that's hard to describe for people. You know, when the game moves so fast and everybody's normally watching the puck on TV. I uh, the one uh, other kind of follow up question I have had for you, Nick. There uh, with Seamus coming in as a transfer, do you think that it was a little bit? I don't want to say easier of an adjustment, but of course, you know, you have freshman players or underclassmen players come in. Was it a little bit easier of an adjustment, I guess, uh, having Seamus come in, being that upperclassman and having three years under his belt already? I think, yeah. I mean, the NCH is a really tough league to come into wherever you go. And, but I mean, having three years of college hockey under your belt definitely helps. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely a lot more, he was a lot more up to speed than some of the freshmen or right when we stepped on the ice together. And I mean, usually freshmen catch on quick, but yeah, it was definitely, there wasn't as much of a learning curve for him because he had played at, at the division one level for, for as many years as he did. Guys, I want to follow up with that a little bit, uh, Seamus, you know, for defensemen, you know, and, and Nick, I'll, I'll probably 
toss in the, uh, your thoughts as well, but do you think the biggest thing to learn at the collegiate level is, yeah, there's the speed and the, the speed of the game is quicker, but almost it's the opposite for defensemen. It's almost learning to take a deep breath and slow down and knowing that maybe you do actually have more time to make plays and with the puck and maybe just to calm the nerves and to not panic as much. Do you think that's the adjustment that you kind of make as you grow from an underclassman to an upperclassman? Oh man, that was a long time ago for me. I'm getting pretty old. <laughs> you got nothing on me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely an adjustment. I think probably the speed of the game is the biggest thing. The thing that really changed for me jumping from the NA to division one level is that there's men on the ice. Um, you know, you go into a corner and some battles that you usually win in juniors, like you don't have a chance if you don't know what you're doing um, against someone who's 220, three inches taller than you. Um, but yeah, you learn as you go. And our freshmen are catching on quick already, like Purvi was saying. Um, so I think that they're in a pretty good spot and their learning curve is probably going to be a lot shorter than mine was when I was a freshman. Let's switch gears a little bit, guys, only because I think, uh, you know, as we look forward to this year, I know that, you know, last year, got to the penultimate goal uh, just came up just a little bit short. Uh, Nick, I want to start with you. You know, I think we can pull, we can all, you know, in this interview say that that's probably, you know, long and gone. We buried, you know, that game, but I imagine there's probably still a little bit uh, of motivation that's still in the brain for this upcoming season to get, not only to get back there, but also to try to finally get over that, that big hump. Is, was that, is that uh, accurate? I mean, I think we're all pretty much on the same page national championship or bust but at the same time like Seamus mentioned earlier first step is getting into the tournament and that starts with game one I mean if you get off to a tough start you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot as we kind of as we figured out was it two years ago I mean we had a terrible start to the year we, we ended the year pretty well actually I think we had like the most top 10 wins in the country but the beginning of the year was terrible so right now yeah everyone has that we, we need to or want to win the national championship but at the end of the day, the only one that matters right now is game one. I guess kind of going on that, um, that leadership experience and Seamus, you had kind of alluded to it a little bit, you know, as a freshman defenseman, like little tips of the trade as you kind of get older and you, you learn little plays like that. Nick, uh, you mentioned the team two years ago, and I'm kind of glad you brought that up. You know, I, regardless of the outcome in the first couple of games of the season, uh, what is your message to the team as one of the upperclassmen uh, and Seamus will get your input as well as kind of, you know, staying even keel, especially um, in the pod last year as well, the mentality of not being too high, too low. What does that look like for fans? If they could come into the locker room and kind of, you know, understand how to manage that emotional level as you um, get older and kind of lead a team, if you will. I mean, I think that year was kind of a big year for this program in general, because the sophomores that year and then, or I mean the juniors that year and then us sophomores had only seen really success at this, this level of this program. I mean, we, we didn't lose a home game our entire freshman year. We, we had no idea what that was like. And then I think it was Princeton came in who, I mean, no, not a knock on them, but I mean, they weren't ranked very high. Obviously neither were we. And they, they came in and just beat us. I mean, and so we, we definitely need to be humbled. And so that's why I was so, such a big focus last year to come in in the bubble and start start fast right away because there's no turning back once you go. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Seamus, I, I kind of a similar question, but I, I kind of want to actually go back a little bit. I, I mean, you can comment last year as well, but were there, were there any lessons um, from your time at Michigan tech that you kind of took away to that you felt, you know, were a natural fit you brought to this team? Uh, you know, Michigan tech as well as kind of been that middle of the pack team, I guess, kind of up and down in program history. I mean, was there anything that you kind of pulled from, from there that you learned in your first three years that really kind of stuck out to you as far as that, you know, the ability to manage, the emotional playing field of a hockey game? Yeah. Um, like Purby said, um, you really can't, I mean, game one, game two, game three, till whenever, until um, they become elimination games, you really can't get too high. You can't get too low. Um, there's another one coming up after, no matter what happened. Um, so, whether you're down in the dumps about what happens, you've got the opportunity to make up for it. Or if you had the game of your life, you're only as good as your next shift. So learning that, learning um, that you've got to bring it every night, no matter who you're playing, the division one level, those are, I mean, two lessons that go along the same lines as um, kind of the last couple of questions, what you guys were asking. And um, I guess this year, it feels a little bit different because we've got some outside pressure. Um, but at the same time, like, like Purby was saying, well, this year it's national championship or bust, but that's the same way we felt last year. Like that's still our goal. We're still not going to be satisfied if that doesn't happen. So um, I guess you might say that we're looking at from the outside, looking in might be looking at this year a little differently, but I don't think that's the case. Um, we're still going to give it our all every game. And because you have to at this level. Yeah, certainly. I just want a, a quick follow up, uh, Mr. Maxson. I, and I wanted to ask Nick Perbix this um, and talking about a target on your back, Nick, as you mentioned that freshman year, no stranger to winning games, no stranger to having that target on your back. Well, of course, we did see how that season ended last year. Was there a different, uh, I guess, to say aura of calmness or a different ability to kind of elevate your game to the next level as a team uh, compared to that freshman year? And kind of we've talked so much about the demons of St. Cloud State a hockey during tournament time did it finally feel last year that you guys you know not only in your playing style but maybe mentally and emotionally kind of broke through that plane and got through all of that all of that kind of outside noise that St. Cloud State Hockey has had for so long was there something different that you can describe about the team last year obviously you made it to the national championship game but was there something internally um, as a team um, I mean, I don't know if there's exact words to put it but I mean there's there's definitely kind of just a free like everything throughout the years to get to the tournament we we know more than anyone doesn't matter if you're one through 16 you got to win that first game to get to the second and if you don't nothing else matters nothing else matters how good or bad you did throughout the year and so kind of build off Seamus's answer last answer was I mean regular season is just to get to the NCAAs doesn't matter what number you are and yeah I mean yeah last year had a slightly different feel just because we weren't number one, but it's nothing we're afraid of this year. I mean, we're hoping to get that. Obviously, there's a slight advantage, not that we've capitalized on it in the last couple of years, but uh, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just all all work into that, and I mean, we know we can do it. We proved it last year, and we just gotta we're just hoping to win that last game this year. Guys, let's. I, I want to build off that one last time, just because I, you know, when you talk about a coaching staff, uh, Brett Larson, Seamus Donahue, Nick Oliver, you know, there's the 
Uh, I, 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 would, I would say Dave Shyak, unless Seamus, unless you're doing some player <laughs> coaching this year. That too. So Seamus <laughs> can be a coach, but my goodness gracious. Anyways, uh, what I was saying, boys, is, you know, coaches often get praised for the schematics and, you know, sort of the, the chess match of the game. But, you know, from different people that we've talked to is what has really separated this coaching staff is, is the, is the in between the game between the ears. Right. And that is, you know, I guess Seamus will start with you since you are the assistant coach. Um, uh, you know, what has been the message with, from Brett Larson and his staff, um, whether it's between periods or before the game or after the game, that's kind of helped you kind of keep those emotions in check. And, you know, I guess, is there any, you know, sort of, uh, I, I don't know if you call it mental exercises or, you know, how have you guys been able as a group to have been able to just keep it, uh, you know, I guess just right in front of you, not looking either too far ahead and also not looking in the rear view mirror. Oh man, I guess, um, I guess this message between periods is, is different, but the same, depending on what's going on in the game, how the last period went, how he wants the next period to go. Um, I think that the thing that separates our coaching staff or uh, I guess what makes our team so successful when it comes to them is how well they know all of us. Like they really care about us off the ice just as much as on the ice, if not more. And so they know how to ask us to do certain things or how to tell us what they want from us. Cause um, like what makes a good defensive pairing some trust. I mean, we trust them and they trust us. So we know that they won't ask us to do anything that they wouldn't want us to do or that they wouldn't do themselves. Um, and if the, they're asking us to do something, it's definitely the right thing to do. Um, I think that that's a thing that any successful team needs, and we definitely have it here. As far as this message or any of the coaches' messages, um, a lot of it is like if you make a mistake – I mean, you're not that mistake and you're capable of writing that wrong. Um, we believe in you. You should believe in yourself. Um, we know you do. Go do it right next time. We've got your back. And Nick, uh, you know, taking a bit enough of Seamus's answer here. Um, do you feel like that approach, you know, I suppose, you know, going, especially, you know, from regular season to playoffs where again, it's, it's, uh, you know, you have to win that game to get to tomorrow. Um, do you feel that um, that that mentality um, approach helped has helped you as a player uh, to be able to look at a playoff game and, and to not you could say put it on a pedestal or and just look at it as a normal hockey game or uh, do you look at it a little bit differently? No, I think kind of like what you just said. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, the rink is still the same size. You're still playing against college age guys. You're I mean, everything is the same other than what you make it mentally. And I mean, that's a big thing of what we did last year is we just kind of, we simplified when things are going bad. We just went back to the basics. I mean, our whole bench would yell, they'll just keep the composure, trust the systems. I mean, and that's what we needed to do in the tough times. And then, and then when, when things are going well, we can expand on it a little, but not, not get too out of hand. I mean, trust what got us there. And so, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it, we figured out last year that it is just a hockey game. I know it might mean more on paper or whatever, however you want to put it, but I mean, it, we got there for a reason. And so it's why change the way we play just because the game is, is called something different, I guess you might say. 
I was just chuckling how you said the rink's the same. Then I realized you guys play at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. And I'm like, is it though? Is it really? Um, In the playoffs, they all are. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would say that rink in Albany had some pretty weird quirks as well. Uh, And not to mention Nolan Walker flipping a puck about 20 feet in the air to set Micah Miller up for a beauty of a shot, right? But fastest ever. That was intentional. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys are working on that all year. Yeah. Um, I, I got um, I would love to follow up on that as well, too. Maybe Nick Maxson will take the reins on that one. I have one final question for each, each of you. And once again, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it goes back to something you had mentioned earlier in the show. Um, uh, Nick Perbix, I'll start with you. Uh, the golf game. Uh, you and Seamus playing one-on-one in golf. I mean, what, what are your guys' strengths and weaknesses? And, uh, you know, who, who comes out of that one out of 18 holes uh, with a better um, – better lower score if you will <laughs> well my strength is definitely not driving accuracy <laughs> it's far from what it is but uh i mean for me it's just scrambling i'd say basically my average hole consists of being 50 yards off the fairway hitting it near the green chipping it on and hopefully putting it in that's that's pretty much how my golf game goes <laughs> So, so do you, uh, I guess, Seamus, for you, do you have Nick Perbeck's beat? Are, are you at least on the fairway? Um, I mean, what's your game looking like? Uh, off the tee, pretty short, um, but generally closer to the middle of the fairway than Pervy's. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean it takes me less strokes to get in the hole, though. Pervy's got me pretty much every day. He's a, better, he's, he's a stick. He's better than me. I got uh, one final question for both of you again, guys. Uh, wonderful chatting with you guys. Uh, shameless to start with you. Um, you know, we talked about success of last season, you know, as an incoming transfer uh, now uh, in your fifth collegiate season. Uh, a lot of things to look forward to this season. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to, neither, uh, both either as an individual hockey player and as a, uh, at being part of the St. Jose Huskies team that uh, you just can't wait to get on the ice and, and show? I can't wait for fans to be back in the building, um, you know, especially being close to home. Like that was something that was the reason why I came here to St. Cloud because friends and family were so close and they could come watch me in my, what I thought was going to be my final year of college hockey. Now it is my final year of college hockey and they can come watch me and my team play. So um, that's something I'm really looking forward to. And I'm just, you know, looking forward to being back on the ice with, 28, 27 of my closest friends um, and having the opportunity to prove ourselves. Yeah, Seamus, real quickly, are you also looking forward to, once your collegiate career is over, uh, being an assistant coach here at St. Cloud State? Wish you the best <laughs> of luck. <laughs> That'd be great. I would be looking forward to that, too. I was the, I'm the GM, in case you didn't realize. I'm the one doing all the hiring. Just, oh, just okay. kidding. <laughs> and then, Nick, a final question to send us off into the sunset here. Uh, do you have any message to the Huskies fans uh, heading into this season? Uh, I suppose I'll just give you the floor. Um, you know, as we, we've got about two weeks before the season really starts kicking off, I hear you also have a, a couple scrimmages upcoming too. If you want to maybe tell the folks a little bit about that, is, is that not correct? I, I know as much as you on that one. I mean, I know that we got practice at, we got to be at the rink at eight tomorrow. That's about all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Such <laughs> a hockey as, answer. <laughs> as far as the fans, I mean, Last year, I mean, last year we missed them all. It was almost weird playing home games, as as odd as it sounds to say. Like road games were, I don't want to say easier to play, but it was more normal, a lot more normal because you're not used to getting cheered on and having the fans cheer for you or whatever. So like there, it was kind of normal, just quiet. It almost helped you a little bit, but at home, I don't want to say it was a letdown, but it was 
kind of weird. Like when you're kind of buzzing, when you're buzzing a team, usually the crowd gets into it. You start cheering, you feed off that. And like, there was none of that last year. And so it was just, it was tough. Like I can't wait for them to be back. Can't wait for them to bring the energy like they always do. And something I'm really looking forward to. I missed a lot last year. <laughs> Nick, I got to be honest with you. The fans might not have been in the building, but trust me, they were on Twitter and they were yelling at their TVs the same as they always do. So <laughs> hey, I, I, I believe you. I believe that. <laughs> very true. Well, we definitely, I know for myself and speaking for everyone too, we're very excited to watch this group. I think you guys uh, have the talent. We think you guys have the, the right coaching staff to really do something uh, and make another run again, deep into the postseason. And it's definitely going to be much better instead of uh, having to call games from a television screen at the bottom of the uh, a campus building. It's going to be much better to call it the inside the herb and to watch you guys play live and in person. Uh, so for that, we will send it off here again. Seamus Donahue, Nick Perbix. Again, guys, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll hope to see you guys here back uh, with a good, successful story. We'll have to catch up again here a little bit. Thanks for having us. All right, thanks for having us. You're thanks, welcome. guys. And once again, Nick, uh, yeah, always, always fun to check, uh, check in with the guys on the men's hockey team, of course, having women's hockey players on as well. Just fun to get some St. Cloud State current players on. i uh, really excited to see what um, that pair as well as the rest of this team can do for this hockey season. I mean, is there, is there anything, uh, you know, I guess one for the team that you're looking forward to, but two between Seamus and Nick Perbix, if they are paired together, um, you know, another thing there that you're kind of looking forward to between those two. I'll start with the defensive pairing. Uh, you know, one thing that, you know, it, you talk about this with any, you know, pro team or college team is, you know, how do they adjust um, now that they have, there's a year of film on them, you know, what sort of the changes are they going to make? Um, you know, you, you can't tweak a whole lot per se, Noah, but you, know, you, you can't continue to do everything the same or else, you know, the playbook is out. So, but you know, those two, they read, like I said, they trust each other, they read off each other so well, they would be kind of, you know, I just want to see how it's, it's almost ballet on ice, honestly, with how well they do it. And it's so underrated how much, um, you know, when you have such a high chemistry unit, like uh, Donahue and Perbix, how much that can really, you know, flip the tide of things are going your direction or more so keep sustaining pressure when things are going right uh, for the team, almost the same thing, right? No others. There's, we talked about this last episode on Sunday uh, for those who tuned in, uh, you know, what's this team going to do as far as up front on the roster, you know, how some of those maybe position battles hand out. And also for uh, the team itself, you know, how, how are they going to look out of the gate? Um, we talked about them during this episode that again, non-conference schedule, great opponents. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, I think on both sides, everybody's fired up for them, but they know that those points are important both for the paralyzed as well as just getting some confidence. And because again, there's no day off in college hockey, whether you're playing uh, St. Thomas, who will be playing their first ever division one hockey against the Huskies, uh, you know, coming up here the second and third of October, or whether you're going to face a, a NCHC full in North Dakota, so, you know, how do they continue to do things that are well? Maybe what's some of the things they maybe do differently to give teams a different look, uh, especially with the personnel they have up front. Yeah. Uh, speaking of episodes, by the way, uh, we're here just recording Tuesday night, September 14th. I want to say thank you, uh, by the way. I know we say this a lot, but thank you to our listeners. Uh, over 1,600 uh, plays in the last month. Nick, the episode we released on Sunday for the men's hockey preview, over 200 listens, uh, less than or barely two days uh, out from when we released it. So we appreciate our listenership as well. I did want to throw that out there. But speaking of our listenership, yeah, get to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, get to the Excel Energy Center, definitely watch this team play in person. 
person if you get a chance to do it safely. Um, yeah, they're going to be a very, very good hockey team. And and kind of leading the charge is going to be Seamus Donahue and Nick Perbix on that back end, you know, if they are together in that defensive pairing, uh, as they should be. We talked about that in the preview, that they're two guys that, uh, you know, Nick Perbix a little bit more offensively um, dynamic and, and Seamus Donahue, a very good uh, defensive juggernaut uh, and able to stalemate any rush that comes the other way. But I got to be honest, uh, Seamus Donahue, I, you know, a lot of times doesn't have to defend too much. And I don't say that in a bad way. He doesn't have to defend too much because Nick Perbix is making a play end to end on the offensive side to set the boys up uh, for a good rush. So I'm really excited to see what they bring to the table. I think uh, as always, the first couple of games uh, are just going to be important, uh, not only for pairwise, not only for the success of the team, but getting those five uh, or four freshmen and, and seniors up to transfer and or up to speed, I should say, and getting, uh, getting the team kind of back into the rhythm of what it's like to play Friday, Saturday after night, because when we talk about the pod, you're almost like shocked into playing hockey again, because you have that pro style schedule. You don't have that this year. You have kind of a back, you know, more normal schedule, but you have St. Thomas and then some really good old WCHA um, non-conference opponents that are really going to bring a, a, a very strong challenge to this Husky squad. So uh, really looking forward to it. Hopefully they can adjust and uh, we definitely believe in them and that we definitely believe in their confidence and they talked about a little bit that, you know, is there a target on our back? I don't know if they're going to play that way. I don't know if they're going to, they're, they're going to play with the, with the thought that there's a target on their back. Cause I think in the NCHC, there's a target on your back every night. You know, it doesn't matter what team you are. If you're Colorado college, you know, uh, whoever it is, uh, they're going to have to bring their a game every night. And I think they will. And to that point, Noah, it, it's, it's good to hear that because, you know, it, it, like we said, you know, I think one thing that I, you know, was trying to, you know, get them to explain a little bit was just how the mental side of the game. I think this coaching staff has done a phenomenal mm-hmm. job with this program to really elevate them mentally. And that's exactly the answer you wanted to hear. It's the minute you make something to be different than what it is. Right. Um, like you, you just mentioned it perfectly. Every time you step on the ice in division one hockey, it's a battle. There's a target in your back every single second you're on the ice. And if you start, you know, it's creating this outside target of outside pressure and, and it becomes a distraction. And I think for, for them, we saw, you know, the, the evolution, the maturity of that mental game uh, and lead to very good success for them last season. And again, coming just short, uh, but trust me, those lessons learned and that success uh, that they had with that is going to carry into this season, especially come playoff time. But as Seamus down to you and Nick Perfect said, is that they have to earn that first game one, you know, get take it one game at a time. They got to punch your ticket and then worry about the rest as it comes along. Yeah, I also really like the answer. I was a little cagey uh, about asking the question to uh, Nick Perbix, but I wanted to posit about the team three years ago, right? And, the, and that uh, result against AIC. And I think he, he spoke about it very eloquently. And I think that these guys, uh, one, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say there's a little bit of vindication last year, but it did finally feel like they knew what it was like to win and push themselves deep into the tournament. And I think that was important. And you could feel that that, uh, I don't, I don't want to say that weight, but I don't know how else to kind of describe it. I kind of been, you know, lifted off the shoulders a little bit and they, they felt like they're, you know, playing a little more relaxed, a little bit easier and have understood what it was like to win for so long that freshman year and then gone through the highs and lows in the valleys. And they, they're much better equipped. I think this upperclassman group is to handle um, those valleys, uh, if that makes sense. So it does. And real quick, uh, Noah, too, to me, it's not just AIC because if, if all you're trying to do is to get the monkey of your back, that is the first NCAA game off of your back. I think we would have seen a little bit of a regression in game two. We didn't see that at all. I think this team was prepared mentally going in and, you know, especially, uh, I think Brett Lester talked about it with us 
uh, back in the summertime, you know, that uh, goal that David Rennick gave up, uh, you know, from the center ice, you know, there are teams yeah. and, you know, I think even Nick Perbix and some others on that team would agree that that maybe mentally would have stung them a little bit. Uh, this program has taken leaps and bounds of what it's taken to be a competitor and also to know what it's like to approach a game shift by shift and not let the mistakes weigh heavily. Also, don't let your uh, successes also, you know, overshadow some of the work you got to do. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's leaps and bounds different. And again, you know, you just hope that that takes yeah, another step forward because again, they were so close last year and, you know, if they can replicate a lot of what they did on the ice and also again, mentally, uh, this team is primed to have another deep run if as well, uh, you know, if they can set themselves up with successful regular season. Speaking of Brett Larson, Nick, uh, he's either going to be on the show either next week or the week after before we get rocking and rolling uh, with St. Thomas in the first games of the season. So look for him in our Healthy Scratch interview segment as well. Uh, this one was a blast. I think that's going to do it for episode number 78. Of course, uh, we have our show coming up on Sunday as usual for episode number 79. Uh, taking a little bit more of a preview, of course, at College Hockey and what's going on in the NHL world. Hopefully we get some Kirill Kaprizov news <laughs> and, so, oh. and some good news. So. My prediction, unfortunately, came true. Um, and, you know, I, I'm still confident he'll get signed. I know I've, I've, I've been on this train for six weeks yeah. now, uh, but, you know, the, the the heat is definitely increasing. And yeah. I, it's, it's more so... Especially with that article yesterday, too. Um, yeah, we, I mean, again, I, 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 I still stand by that, you know, now where I think there's a little bit of posture in here from Bill Guerin. Um, you know, I think that he had kind of almost outright admitted that in the Michael Russo article that was posted Sunday, uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes you hate to be right, Noah, with uh, the Kaprizov situation. Uh, yeah. He did not sign on Monday. It sounds like that the the talks are further along than maybe some of those nuggets we heard as of recent in the last week and a half to two weeks. Um, again, you can only hope that, you know, you can avoid um, prolonging this that would have start affecting training camp or preseason, even regular season play. Um, just because again, he isn't overseas. There's a visa, there's the you know, quarantining to be, uh, to be done. So there is a little bit more, it's not like he's just over in Ohio and he just has to take a flight over here. There's a lot more raw hurdles. He's got to clear, but hopefully we get an update here. Hopefully yeah. this week. Uh, and if not, I guess where the waiting game continues. Is there anybody in Ohio? A couple. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I, sh I shouldn't talk. I don't know if I'm the, I'm the state that's able to talk about anything or claim to fame um, other than a, a little bit of uh, wackoness, if you will. But nonetheless, <laughs> that will do it. Episode number 78. And as always, we'll see you in the den. one-timer coming, they score! Fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game-winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.